record all the conversations that Woo-hoo. come out of that. And by the way, you can swear on this. So if you want to oh, swear, fantastic. Um, go go wild. No one will incriminate you. Great. <laughs> I'm suing you for swearing. Yes. <laughs> These are the things we do podcast to podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Emma Payne. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so, Emma, I know what you do. We've yes. known each other now for over a year. Yes. Um, which kind of seems surreal um, with how much of the year that has been. Yes. Um, it, <laughs> I can't believe like 2021 and 2022 have like feel like still 2020 like it just doesn't it feels yeah, like one colossal tw- year yeah exactly one big three year one year. <laughs> you know time is a flat circle yeah <laughs> that's how i want to introduce myself on this podcast yeah. time is a flat circle i love it that's gonna be i'm gonna get that for you on a shirt and just like yeah just yeah <laughs> really make it a prominent quote um so emma can you tell everyone on the internet who you are and what you do yeah so my name is emma Payne, and i'm a director of photography i currently work mostly in long form and commercials. Uh, But throughout my career, I've done everything under the sun from corporates to events and music videos, short films, just all of it. (laughs) Basically anything you can point a camera at. Uh, You do it. (laughs) I do it. I mean, now, now less so now, now doing long form. Oh, really? Taken out. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, it just timing wise, like you end up uh, like I've shot two shows now and both of them. We're about three to four months. Wow. Commitments. Yeah. So it's just great. don't physically have time to point a camera at too many other things <laughs> besides those. God. But yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I've done for I think since I was I went to afters when I was uh eighteen. Wow. Yeah. And so I've just done that for almost a, I think a decade now. That's yeah, insane. I think I'm on a decade. Wow. Eleven years, yeah. Wow. Do you feel like you've gone, you've hit the nuts side of your, your life where you're like, I am definitely like insane in like this industry. Cause it is, yeah. it kind of turns you into this insane kind of person. Oh, I mean, I said time is a flat circle. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've definitely very quickly <laughs> established. established and notified to everybody a little bit unhinged, <laughs> but no, no, in all, like, in all seriousness, like. Yeah, definitely. I think I've hit that point now where I'm like, this is what I do. Like, I've never trained to do anything else. This is the only job I have. (laughs) So, this is all I'm good at. (laughs) Was that something that you would like, I'm definitely going to become a a DOP or a cinematographer? Like, was that one of your things that you were like, I'm definitely going to do? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'd always loved photography since I was a kid. Uh, And um, I, when I was a teenager, I watched um, Marie Antoinette. And Lance Accord shot that and shot it mm. beautifully. And it was, I think it was all natural light almost because um, they were shooting at Versailles and you, it, it's everything's so fragile in there. You're not allowed to bring lights into the space. Really? Yeah. So I kind of saw that and I must have been like 15 at the time. And it was the first time that I think I had registered cinematography and gone, all right, I actually want to look up that person and what that role was. Yeah. And find out what that means and so I had been um as a teenager loved like writing and making my own little films in high school and and you know I had a group of friends who were all very creative and that's sort of what we did for fun was make very strange 
short films um, and our poor school would like screen them as well, which is hilarious looking back on. It's like, why? They didn't need to do that. They were just very supportive. That's good. Yeah, it was nice. Um, and, and yeah, and I went to afters and kind of went, oh, well, I love photography, but I, I really liked screenwriting as mm. well and thought I would do screenwriting when I got there. Um, but on in our first week, we had a, a guest lecturer who came and he essentially said to us, the only way to have a career in this field is to either be an editor or a cinematographer. And I was like, well, I guess that's it then. I guess cinematography is what I'm going to do. Wow. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I kind of realized in the time I was at Afters, like, you know, cinematography is writing yeah. with pictures and that's something that really resonates with me and I find very fascinating um, trying to capture emotion through images. So yeah, it just kind of, it was a very natural progression, I think. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that because as well, like I think my dad, my dad's a landscape photographer has been oh, since amazing. like um, I was a kid and he used to do actually before that, he was a band photographer. So he did lots of, cool. um, yeah, he met like a lot of celebrities, Yeah, awesome. which I was like, <laughs> uh, I think the coolest was he met Robin Williams and uh, David Bowie and oh, stuff wow. like, yeah, it was like very cool. But yeah. um, I think it's also one of those things that, yeah, it's, like, did you find you were always very visually literate? Like, did you prefer yes. to read, um, like, watch something than read it? Yeah, yeah. And I think um, uh, there was like a funny period where I was like, so in. I love reading as well. Like, I'm kind of like a strange cinematographer. It's like I don't watch much stuff. <laughs> if I'm completely honest, people are like, have you seen this show? Have you seen this film? I'm like, mm, no, because <laughs> I like reading. But um, yeah, there was like this period where I was like so like working so much where I was like. I think my vocabulary is smaller because I'm just thinking in images <laughs> all the time <laughs> and it's you know you just get into this weird little path of life where you're like you just look at stuff and you're like oh you know what could that yeah symbolize or yeah that's so cool yeah. I mean like okay so here's a really nerdy question what's your favorite aspect ratio oh there's so many cool ones I mean I, I think that like a 239 widescreen is always going to be yeah. beautiful like I love the balance of background and foreground and, and I don't personally love close-ups very much so I find yeah. 239 close-up really interesting uh, it, like because you actually get more of the sense of space in the room yeah so I kind of prefer it just because the close-ups are really cool um but I I don't know also like 4-3 is really fun I love to play 4-3. In. yeah and it, it, it like for me because I'm shooting all the time makes my brain need to switch yeah. gears and go, okay, now I'm operating for a different aspect ratio. So I do like to kind of mix it up yeah. a little bit. So I'll go through little periods where I'm like, ooh, four three is my thing at the moment. And then it will be like, oh no, two one is, you know, both shows that I've shot are two one. Cause it's kind of like the the as much as you can get away with in yeah. TV of trying to get closer to the widescreen <laughs> aspect. I know. It's they TV is not designed for a huge widescreen. No, um, no. Like the films are absolutely yeah, films are yeah. great in widescreen, but TV, unless you've like, um, we've got a sixty-five inch here, and it's yeah. you know, beautiful to watch some of the shows on. But yeah, you kind of just go, okay, don't be too cinematic. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I think two ones that perfect middle yeah. ground, and it's like you know generally um, the networks are happy. Yeah, to try it out as well because that that's really what it comes down to is like you know is the network happy. Yeah, to give it... You just stray away from 16.9. Yeah. I mean, also just 16.9 is not, like, that interesting. No, and I, but I think it's just because it's 
it's what everything is. Like we're yeah. totally inundated by 16.9. It's like, yeah. you know, YouTube is 16.9. So it's kind of, it, it, I think it associates with just a yeah. regularity, which well, I think can be interesting. Like yeah. If you're making something that you want to portray, I think it feels very normal and regular. <laughs> totally fine. I think it's also like um, the one thing that I've noticed, especially working in the corporate world, until the last five years and and this is something that people don't know about but in the last five years everything's gone over to hd like a lot of things yes. are more hd now yep. whereas before we you know if you shot an hd most corporate things had to be down converted to sd like they couldn't right. oh, I because didn't realize yeah so i both worked for nine and and seven yeah and both of them when i moved from from nine to seven, nine was at that point fully hd it had finally right. upgraded all the systems yeah when i moved to seven they were predominantly SD. They still hadn't upgraded wow. a lot of their systems. And now they're like half and half. They're majority HD. But it, yeah. it is one of those things that a lot of the time you have to go, okay, well, that needs to be standard def. That yes. needs to go through a converter or just, you know, and, and shrink the image down. A lot of wow. problem also is a lot of cameras are set up with weird, um, like, inbuilt aspect ratios right. or um, parameters. And so you need yeah. to readjust the image. Oh, God. Um, which is always a fun one. Um, so, yeah, like, I've, I've dealt a lot with that where it's like, yeah. the, the, you know, because a lot of the time also I feel in a corporate world, and especially you must find the same thing, is, when they hire you for a tech role or they hire you as a, a skilled expert, most of the corporate world don't know what actually you're doing. They're just like, oh, I God, want no. this. Yeah. <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> I think that's like one of actually the most fun things about the job is kind of spinning all the plates but not letting anybody know yeah. that you're spinning all the plates. Like I think that's kind of, I, I, I don't know, it's just like an interesting little like personal challenge of like, cool, how can you make it all happen? Yeah, and try and you know, I, I guess it is probably like a huge part of I've, the role of a DOP is like to take away that technical stuff from yeah. your director so they can focus purely on. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation though that you have literally gone, oh shit, what? Like I have no idea what the brief is. <laughs> I have no idea what they actually want. They've kind of just said, here's the person, here's what we, you know, on the day everything, yeah. and thrown you just like big curveballs. Um, I don't. Not in a while. I'd say like there was like a period of time where I was doing a lot of um, like I did a lot of like political activist work for a while. It was just like this yeah. production company I happened to work for um, did like all of Get Up stuff. And there were a few times that this is probably like eight or nine years ago where you just show up and there'd be like just a random camera or something. And you are definitely there just Googling being like, oh my God, like what are the settings on this camera? <laughs> like I've never seen this like weird Panasonic camera. And you're just like, yeah, cool. I'm just going to like go make a coffee or like just step outside for a second, make a call. And you're just Googling, <laughs> which is like, I think fine as well. Like the amount of friends I have who you talk to and it's like at the end of the day, like, you know, it's a technical role and you know so much, but, you can't literally know everything no. about every piece of gear. So you spend a lot of time Googling. I'm going to put it out there in the world just so everybody knows. <laughs> Can I just say that's my favorite thing because, like, someone asked me not that long ago, it was like, how do you know audio? I'm like, lots of time on YouTube. Yeah. Lots and lots of yeah. time of listening to things that I didn't understand and then learned how to understand and now understand. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think it's kind of incredible now that there's different pathways. Yeah. It's like you don't have to go to film school or university no. or, yeah 
I think it's like um, it's it's also just interesting because like you know, color correction and everything, and especially like mm-hmm. um, camera settings that they have their own color. Like I think it's like Nikon. You look at the Nikon brand; they have a green tint there, yes, like naturally to yeah. them. Um, Canon tend to have a red tint or something yep. like that. It's a red or yellow yep. tint. Um, and then Sony have a lot of blue. Yeah, Sony love <laughs> just yeah, blue just wash blue everything. Yeah, um, and I think it's just the. Yeah. yeah, like color science behind it. Yeah, I mean, like Aries are tend towards green yeah, a they... lot, and like I'm in the grade right now for um, a show that I shot called Colin, Colin from Accounts, and um, which will maybe be out by the time. This yeah, is out. yeah, probably. Yeah, so um, yeah, we, we're we're in the grade for that right now, and um, you know, we shot two cameras, and one of them is so green, <laughs> and the other one is just like not as great, and it. Oh, it just like hurts me to look at it. <laughs> so I'm you, like, why are they so different? You know, <laughs> they're the same camera. Yeah, and it's and you know what's more frustrating is when you are grading and you've got two cameras and they, no matter what you do, you're spending hours looking how to match them. Yeah. Like, oh well, I'm super lucky. I've got a uh, very good colors on this one. Who's <laughs> just like so good. Um, and just I don't see it once you've done it. So I kind of watch the ungraded Rec 709, going, oh yuck. Like, how are we going to fix this? And kind of being like, oh, man, we're going to have a lot of work tomorrow. And then get into the grade and he's already done it. And it's just completely perfect. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> didn't need to didn't need to think about it. That's great. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I feel like colorists are just a next level of technical yeah. when it comes to color roads. Like, you are doing voodoo magic and I love it. And yeah. I, I will never understand some of the things they're doing. It's um I don't understand colorists like at all. And I and I think the only thing that I've actually professionally colored is uh our thing that we shot together. Yeah. And that was more of a, it was very simple. It was not not a very yeah. complex color grade, but I remember <laughs> I remember sitting there and I had to go through DaVinci cuz like yes. I edit normally in Premiere. So yeah. I was, uh, take the Premiere EDL file, take it out, um yeah. export it and then render the clips and yeah. you use a if anyone doesn't know how you edit 4K footage, you generally do a low-res proxy and then take it and upsc- um, then do the HD files when you're editing the raw files. Um, but, yeah, I remember looking and just going, fuck, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> this this is a morning shot. I can tell it's a morning shot. How do I make it look like an afternoon shot? Because we shot half of this in the afternoon and yeah, one bit in yeah. the morning. The sun's in a different – so <laughs> constantly, really, where is the thing? And, sh- and you know, like – a. L- we had a great gaffer. We had a yes. you know um, great gaffer, Alan Fraser, and he was um, amazing. But yeah, it was just a nightmare to like look at and go. There is so much sun yeah. at points, like. But also, you don't realize in real life how much color changes throughout the day. Yeah, and like that's I I think that like that's when you know you're really like honed in to yeah. cinematography when you're just kind of standing in a room and you're like, oh, there's this cast to it. And yeah. Nobody else can see it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, I can definitely see it. We need to correct it. Yeah. I th- I think it's like um, you know, it's just, it is a it is magic voodooism, like as you yeah. say, with with skill. And I mean, like, I will I will say this anything, like I love editing. Editing is like one of my fortes, but yeah, <laughs> watching everyone who does like proper sound design, proper like yeah. you know, music, composing, everything. After I hand that over, I'm like, I don't know what you do, but it's yeah. like all incredible. You just make everything I've done it just look gets better. Better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. That's like, I love the post process where, you know, I get to see the grade and go, oh my gosh, like it came out how we wanted it to, or yeah. even better most of the time. And then um, we don't get to hear the sound. 
until yeah. the very end and you just go, oh, my God, like it makes such a big difference. And just like once all the compositions are in and everything's leveled out and the voice is like beautiful and full, it's like, oh, my God, like such a treat yeah to see it all together at the end yeah one of my one of my very good friends is a he's a dialogue editor and he works in la and i've worked with him on so many different things but yeah every time i listen to uh how he adjusts levels yeah i'm just like oh god you're like a wizard you've just picked the (laughs) best mic and then you just like swap mics halfway through something crunkles and then you go back to the other one but you make it sound like nothing ever changed like it's all flawless yeah. Um, and I just don't know how he does no, it. No, neither. It's just like, yeah, that's the that's the part of filmmaking that I'm like, yeah, yeah I have the least understanding of sound. Yeah. And like love sound recorders. <laughs> like I'm happy to try and get you in as close as you need with that microphone, but <laughs> in terms of like what you're doing, I have no idea. Yeah, and I I like I I've worked with uh, Nathan the most, um uh, other than my friend who's now who used to be my sound recorder, so now I the dialogue editor in LA, uh, Todd Jacobs. Um, no, Nathan has worked on so many things with me, and he, I just like, I'm like, how's that sound? He's like, yep, good. No, that sounds like shit. No, <laughs> we're gonna do that again. He's just so forward, and yeah. I love that about because you have to be as a sound recordist. There's no like no. beating around and just going that didn't work. Like you need to be like there was in this take a plane. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly, and. Yeah, a lot of, I feel like a lot of performers and, and, you know, it's like sound recording is one of those underappreciated things. Yeah. Because they're so, like with cinematography, they're so technically minded. Yes. And they sit in the corner and I feel like first time directors always worry about pictures. Yeah. They never worry about sound and you're like, but sound is crucial. Like. Yeah. It's so important. Like. They can make the pictures look so much worse if the sound isn't correct. Yeah. But also like. When you have a good boom operator, it, it's just so incredible for me on set or just for <laughs> camera operators on set because it's like they'll just walk in, you know, peek over your shoulder or just ask like, you know, they'll they'll kind of just like listen to the rehearsal and be like, oh, cool, so they're doing a mid shot. Yeah. And they just know exactly where to put the boom pole. So it's just like right on the edge in the best spot possible and do not move. And like, it, yeah, it's amazing. Like, yeah, I was shooting down in Melbourne for a series and the sound team were just so good. Mm. Like it was just such an incredible experience to just go, wow, these these guys are just nailing it. Yeah. Every time. And like and it was hard. Like we there were so many pictures on the wall. All the time. <laughs> so much glass. Like why does glass exist in filmmaking? <laughs> you know this wonderful thing called art glass, which doesn't reflect. Yeah. We just need more of that. We need more it's expensive as fuck, but I think we, that's why they don't yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, it's the cheap glass because uh, that's the thing. I've I've looked at framers and it's called art glass because in art, like obviously right. if you go to a gallery, yeah, you haven't got that reflection. Yeah, so it's perfect. It doesn't oh, have that course. light reflection or that shadow reflection. Right. It's but it is two hundred dollars. Okay, that's a, why we a don't pop. do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in our Australian industry, we cannot do that. But also, that like that being said, there's like something beautiful about having reflections that are meant to be there as well. Like when you have a lamp on and you get the reflection and it just adds a layer of depth to the image. So it's like just that. It's just the classic thing in filmmaking. It's like you're just trying to, you know, do as many things at at once as you possibly can before something (laughs) falls over and you go, all right, I can just literally see myself in this reflection (laughs) so that we obviously can't do that. Yeah. I think my favourite ever one was straight out of uh, TAFE and I was – with one of my friends uh, at the time and we were shooting a f- short film and it was in, I, I was editor of this, so I couldn't actually be there mm-hmm. on the day and I looked at all the footage and I realised in the corner that there was a mirror like built into the kitchen 
And I was like, so you're shooting towards the kitchen. Yeah. And there's no way you can escape. You have to angle this very well to avoid the boom. Yeah. And the camera and the lights. Like instantly. And I think it was like, um, you know, it's it's fresh students out of uni. Like they don't entirely know. These are the things. you. It's trial and error. You've got to learn by trial and error. Um, But I remember that experience was something that I thought taught me really as an editor as well, which Mm -hmm. is. You hide a lot of mistakes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, that happens now. Yeah. Like, I, like, honestly, like, just things I work on. Like, we like we had this um, scene that we were shooting on Colin from Accounts and there's a stairwell that's kind of going off of the um, <laughs> the main room. And it, it was like a stairwell that's really awkward. Like, there's mm. just nowhere to hide a light. There, It was just, like, completely dark. And, you know, it had, like, just enough exposure. I was like, all right, we'll just leave it. Like, mm. you know, you're working in TV. It's it's very fast-paced. You have to sort of pick your battles. And I was yeah. like, that's one we're not going to try and do because it's like for the time we have for this scene, we just can't. And so I was like, oh, you'll barely see. It's just on the edge of frame, whatever. And we were there. And then our lead actress, Harriet, stands up, starts walking across. And just as I'm panning through, I just have this, like, stomach drop moment. There's just a person sitting in the stand, like, just a creepy <laughs> silhouette, like, just really dark, just sitting down. And no. it was, like, the nurse or something was just literally sitting on the set. It was so – and I was like, this is, you know, this is a show for binge and this still happens. God. <laughs> it just – yeah, it's just part of it. Yeah, it's a thing <laughs> – I think that's something yeah, you forget that just people exist. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, it's a tight space. There's nowhere to hide. Like, yeah. You know, people just go, oh, it looks like the camera's pointed here. And yeah. don't realize, oh, we might just keep rolling. I, I go I, to the actor. I think one of my favorite experiences, it, it, was, it was one of my least favorite as well, because it was like, <laughs> it had so many controversies. I was so new to everything. Like, it, basically, it was during the period when I was probably about 18. And my mom was really in trying to encourage me to get into film. So it was like, go and, you know, you've graduated high school, go and do film. And and she arranged for me to do like a volunteer thing for afters. And they had this BTS thing and they were like, I'll provide your own camera. And back then I didn't have anything expensive. I had my Sony Handycam. Yes. That was it. And I don't know quite what they were expecting if someone would have this full kit kind of thing when an 18-year-old, I was like, either my parents are loaded or like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I rocked up and I it was such a weird experience because the director didn't like it was clearly the producer's idea because the yes. director didn't want me there. The director right. did not want a BTS person there because they had asked their friend to come and take photos. Right. But I don't think the producers and the director had communicated that. So I was oh, just no. there yeah. as this 18-year-old um and I remember walking through the set and they were doing a rehearsal once and I thought oh, perfect I'll record that with yeah. you know because they're tracking the camera back on the dolly cool it's going to be you know like a little bit of a video from behind the scenes at that angle yeah. all i heard was the director say you're in shot i was like well, okay cool um but we're not recording right and they're like yeah. no we're not but get out of shot right i'm like i'm doing bts <laughs> i'm like here on request i'm not trying You've to ask me to be here. here yeah and then i sat down and then they were like why are you sitting down and doing nothing come and film stuff and i'm like oh my god okay wow so it was like one of those experiences that you could never do anything right because that you no. no one had come and said and taken me aside and been like oh this is what we require of you yes like they ended up being asking me like do you drive and i said no i don't have a license yeah and they were like oh yeah okay 
What do we do that? What do we do now? Why would you need to drive? Because they didn't have enough runners. Oh, that's a different thing. (laughs) They were asking around and I was like, no, it's not me. So it was like I was sort of roped into a bunch of stuff. And I feel like that was my first experience of a very uncommutative set, like where not every department actually spoke to one another. Because I went up to the Soundies and the Soundies were like, yeah, we don't entirely know what's fully happening like oh wow. there was there was like they knew what the production was doing but in terms of like you know what the, what the next shot the go then yeah. you know it, it, it was yeah there was a discommunication stuff style and i think it was just like oh my god this is like your graduate films like yeah you should <laughs> so you on should know this. yeah and i think but- it was yeah it was a very interesting experience like the, the that's always the thing i find with um unis as well like yeah when it's your last year it's a little bit like yeah all hands on deck kind of yeah, exactly. crash and burn. Yeah. Was that your experience in afters or was it very like yeah. clinical? Um no, I think it was somewhat somewhat similar. Like yeah, so I, I did two years there. I did one year that was like sort of a general yeah. year where you try out everything. Um and that year was very much like just pulling together what you can and, and yeah. like I remember we did this um short film with my friend Laura Nagy who's uh, you know an incredible director. Um and I've worked with her like so many times like she's basically my work wife like like we've done like 15 films together or something at this point and um yeah we made this film called porcelain and it was about a a woman who um she was basically being like treated like a doll by her husband and Mm. you know and then she turns into a doll at the end wow yeah it was cool and it was like all very 1950s and we found this woman who um just had like an incredible collection of 1950s dresses and memorabilia and like just knickknacks, like just mm. stuff. And her whole house was full of it. And we ended up um, like begging the school because in fir- in that year we weren't allowed to use the studios. Don't know why. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'll never understand why that was. But anyway, so yeah, if for some reason it was like, oh, your film's like not important enough to be in the what? studio or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Someone can probably correct me on like why that was. Um, but we managed to like beg the um the production coordinator at the school, like, please, like we really need it. And they were like, Well, you don't have any money, so like how are you gonna have a set? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, we we managed to get Laura's dad, um, is a carpenter and he built uh, literally built a nineteen fifties kitchen. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, I don't even know. I don't think we ever finished the film. It was one of those ones that happens all the time in film <gasps> school where it's like you put in so much effort and, like, I was so proud of it. Like, I was like, this is so beautiful. And, you know, it was one of the first things that I'd shot. It was probably like the second or third short that I'd yeah. done. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm really starting to, like, understand how this works and was so excited to share it. And it just – I think, like, the sound was just, com- like, off the whole time or something or it was, like, down at a level that was, like, 1% where it's like, oh, you can hear mumbling the whole time. So it's like we never – Oh no! And it, yeah, it was such a shame. I mean, like, really I'd fun. love to, I'd love to read the script of that because that sounds like a dream. Yeah, it was really cool. The fact we got to pull it off, with, yeah, like just favors. Yeah, I mean, like, was pretty amazing. That's that's kind of also the thing about your first ever film. I, I I've had one which I was meant to, meant to do prior to the pandemic. Yeah, and we it was meant to be like I was twenty five, twenty six. When yeah. I thought of it and I was like, cool, I want to make a film. I want yeah. to make a, you know, it's been a while and I want to actually make something that's original. So I reached out to a bunch of writers that I knew yeah. and sent them all a brief and they were like, yeah, I can oh, write awesome. for something. Yeah. Um, 
And then I ended up picking one of them, which is a great horror script that is living in my drawer upstairs. And <laughs> no. um, it, yeah, it's still got all the notes from pre-production meetings and everything, like oh, so wow. many notes. And we went through so many iterations and drafts and we finally settled on one we were super happy with. And we were going to shoot it in a cafe uh, in Annadale. So we were yeah. like, cool. But every time we sort of were discussing something, the budget would go up and yes. up and yes. up. And suddenly <laughs> you were like, this was meant to be shot on, basically. We we originally set aside 10 grand. We yes. were like, cool, we're going to put uh, 10 grand into it and then probably raise a bit more funds Yeah, um, through like Indiegogo or Australian Go yeah, you know, funds yeah. and stuff like that. But it ended up just the got to about the end of 2019 and i was like oh my god this is just so stressful yeah this is not like nothing about this budget is slowing down it seems to be growing exponentially yeah, it always happens I know. <laughs> and then the we had a, the pandemic happened and then wow. we had a zoom read and then eventually um i was co i was co-producing it with um, my friend shannon and uh we eventually sat down and he said i think it's time just to put a pause on it and yeah um I sort of took away sat in it for about a week and then said you know what you're right yeah. this is very un like and I and I think like the thing I had amazing team I had an amazing crew and cast and they're all like people who would drop a hat to kind of come back and do it um which you know internally grateful for yeah but it was one of those situations that I was like all right yeah this is a lot harder to make just straight like it was just so insanely difficult yeah um yeah I, I don't think people appreciate that enough like mm. film is hard like yeah. you have to get together so many people who are experts in their fields and mm. you know creatively vibe with the yes. piece as well and then just it's an expensive thing to do like i hate when people are like oh film is ho a hobby because it's like it's not are you kidding me like how many hobbies cost you you know like ten thousand dollars a minute like come yes. on <laughs> like I, I think it's also just like it goes to the expectation of like if I've done if I've made a you know a thing where you know half uh, the people are working for nothing and the other yeah. half might be getting paid pittance, I will feed the crap out of you. Yeah, because that is the <laughs> most nice thing I can do is making yeah, sure there's yeah. good food and good company. And that you have a good time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's I, I've done something like thirty ish, maybe more short films over the last decade <laughs> like a lot um yeah and it's like budgets vary yeah. all over the place but yeah it's it's such a complicated thing though as well because you kind of go well like you want it to be the best thing possible but then sometimes without the money you can't or, or like sometimes what happens like I was on something that had a lot of like production creep as well which I, I think is pretty normal in the short film space as well where you kind of like oh, I thought I was committing to like a two-day thing and suddenly it's a 10-day shoot. And you're like, oh, that's the Ooh. worst. Like I've I've gotten much better at like sniffing those ones out. Yeah. Um, and kind of saying no to all of them. Uh, but yeah, like like even um, Laura and I shot a short film that was had one funding um, from the, I think it was from the Melbourne Queer Film Festival. Mm. And yeah, it was it was like 10 grand as well. And it's like, man, we there was so much blood, sweat and tears mm. in that film to make it work for that budget, which like, is too small yeah. like to, <laughs> to make something on of the quality that they wanted like yeah we we really pushed to get basically yeah. everything as as cheap as possible we were shooting it was night shoots as well oh, yeah, yeah. So i remember just like laura and i like in the car at 3 a.m just like dancing to keep ourselves awake being like all right it's all cool it's like you know 
five degrees outside we're on a cliff but it's cool we're gonna we're gonna make it we're making this film we're here because we love it (laughs) (laughs) i think this yeah it's it's like the one of the most stress inducing things and when you have quality and you you it's like what we're saying off mic you treat everything like a hundred and 10%. Even if the budget isn't there, if I do something as 110%. um, But I do think that the quality, it's a team environment. And I say this all the time. If you respect me, I respect you kind of thing. It's a dealership. Yeah. um, Because we're not wasting each other time. And I've worked on sets, like I've, you know, I've worked on sets where people fabricate stuff. Like they, I can't stand. What do you mean? So... (laughs) Give me prime examples. When people just say, you know, oh, you're this, but you're not this. Like I've been on sets where like someone was like, oh, uh, Martin's a full-time editor. I'm like, well, technically no. My full-time job is a technician. Yes. My freelance work can be film editing and or producing and or directing. So it is like an entirely different thing than what you are saying. Yeah. But they just gloss off glory me as one thing and I'm like nah jack of all trades like and it's so bizarre because when you when I meet people and I met a lot of people um on that set and they were all like different titles than what yeah uh, this person was saying I was like this is odd this is so this is so odd I think it was benefit I don't don't understand I think there was like just trying to amp people up and get excited I'm like but this isn't like yeah we know what we're all here to do we yeah. know we have jobs to do, but also at the same time, we don't care. Like, this isn't yeah. like the be or end all break us or yeah. make us kind of thing. Yeah. And I think the thing was they had this, they were considerably younger, and um, but I think they thought this film was going to be bigger than um, right. what it actually ended up being. Yes. And everyone on that said knew what they came in for. It was like, yeah. this is just going to be a fun time. Yeah, that's it's got to be a and that's fun film. Sometimes that's it. all it needs to be. I know, <laughs> but you know that's the that's the mentality. And I think you know when you don't know that, and especially like when you, I've worked with people who don't know film basics. Yeah, and you know, and I think anyone who starts a film should know some sort of. Like yeah, film <laughs> I know. Yeah, because it's yeah, it can go wrong so quickly. <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> but it's like you know, if you. I've I've worked on so many things where if I'm directing something and, you know, like people make suggestions to be like, oh, you know, actually the blocking works, but can we change the blocking to this and that? Because mm. it doesn't suit the lenses that we, you know, right. might want to think, yeah, sure, that's cheating. Like, yeah. cool, let's cheat that. Let's yeah, make yeah. it work. But there's so many, like this is communication. Yeah. Don't Which of... is sort of the most important. Of yeah. The, yeah. I mean, any creative mm. thing that you do in collaboration with somebody else, like communication is number one before everything else it's like yeah just being able to communicate it's with everybody on the crew like it's super important (laughs) and it's just like knowing you know and it it goes down to like you know we're both similar ages we're and we're both at similar points in our career where it's just like the worth of us yeah versus the worth that i think we other people see us at is higher like we've gotten to that point where we're like we're up here now we've got a lot of like you don't have to do everything that comes into your inbox anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's yeah someone said it to me recently where they were like yeah it's more about what you say no to at this point yeah than what you say yes to i'm like that's great advice (laughs) you you know what one of my favorite stories though was someone sent me a script for drop fest and they were like oh can you edit this film and I was read the script and I was like, "This is 
a terrible script, like right. not a great script. Yeah. No. And <laughs> sent the email and said, look, I'm not interested. Yeah. They're like, we'll pay you. And I said, no money in the world can make me work <laughs> oh on this. God. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck. Yeah, like, yeah. It was just, that was, and that was the first time I declined anything. And I was like, I just oh, can't. Feeling. I can't do this. And like, I am a people pleaser. I will admit yes, that. I love helping same. people. Um but there is points where you can't. No, there's yeah, there's points where you can't. But also, like I, yeah, I, I think um, when the pandemic started, I kind of went through my books because you know I was freelancing, I was doing lots of very small projects and little things, and I kind of went through what I had like earned the year before and kind of just broke it all down and realized yeah. that you know eighty percent of the money I was making was coming from like twenty percent of the work. Yeah. That I did. And, yeah. that, you know, I spent this other 80% of my time for 20% of the money. And I just went, hey, the math just doesn't add up <laughs> here. And, like, just the, you know, I love filmmaking. I love my job so much, but I also really like living my life. Yeah. And, you know, being able to, you know, I looked at that and went, I can give myself a bit more air in yeah. my schedule and kind of, you know, slow down a little bit and just go, it, it doesn't matter. And, like, you know, I was looking at it going, look, it, at worst, I'm going to make 20% less. But, the reality was that I had made space yes. for things that were, you know, higher paid or just a bit more in line with yeah. what I wanted to spend my time on. Because I think that's really important too. It's like, it's it's your time. Like, I think once you, you know, once you hit 30, you're like, well, do I really want to be spending my yeah. time doing something that's, you know, unpaid and a lot of stress and generally, you know, has that mission creep? Or do I want to just, you know, seek out the stories that, uh, fascinating to me or interesting mm. to me or important to me and yeah. give my whole energy to that rather than being exhausted from doing a bunch of like wheel spinning kind of jobs yeah. going, oh, I need to keep it all happening and making little amounts of money or do I want to go, no, I want to be completely ready to go when that, you know, when that series comes or when that feature comes and go, I've rested and I'm ready for this yeah. and I'm in the right headspace. Yeah, and I, and I feel like that's very important because I've I've kind of like – I've worked full time my entire life from yeah. like two two thousand and eleven or twelve yeah. till now, and it's one of those things where uh, I got to we I had this conversation, I had this interview recently, which you know I don't I, do, I don't know what will happen by the time I get this this comes out, but yeah, uh, it was they were asking me my pay, like what my annual salary was, and I was right. like, I reckon you're not going to be able to match it, and that, that's mm-hmm. fine, yeah, because my job is. A 24-hour department so it does mean i get yes. paid loading on yes. top of everything but um i'm also not new to the industry so i do expect yeah. not the basics yeah exactly um and and so that was like a very interesting time because it was like it was for a job um which would have been corporate related it would have been dealing yeah. with clients and stuff but it was a production coordinator role and i was like yeah. perfect that is something that yeah. i love and enjoy and it goes, you know, it goes up into, you know, producing and doing other things. But I was also sitting there going, you know, this is what I'm worth. Yeah. And, and you know, that I'm not going to yeah. step down from that. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, this shouldn't be where I sit. Because, you know, and, and I think like, but also when you do any job, there is a pay cut or there is a pay, you know, like. Yeah. Some sort of, you know, because there's some jobs out there that just don't pay as yeah. well as others or yeah especially yeah. in our industry yeah. it's creative like of course some of the things that you know are more interesting can sometimes be the ones that don't have as much yeah money or like for example someone said to me like oh you should move into drama because it makes more 
money than comedy, which is what I've spent the last two series doing comedies. Mm. But I love it. And like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't, uh, this isn't really the kind of job that you do because you're into money or you're just like, oh, I just need to earn as much as possible. It's like, no, I just like, I just like making things and being with other people yeah. who are passionate about making things. And, you know, at the end of the day, if it means a slight pay cut, if I do something that's interesting to me at the time. And like, you know, that being said, in a year's time, I might turn around and be like, actually, I really want to do a dark drama. Yeah. And like, that's fascinating to me right now. Or the right script comes along that I love the characters or something. But yeah, yeah like it's kind of also fine to be like yeah i have enough money to live i don't, I don't you know this which is incredibly privileged yes. position which also needs to be said like to be in that position of being established as an adult now to go yep i can say no to things and i can yeah you know say yes to the things that might have a little bit less money but to me is totally fine yeah the sacrifices and 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 that's the thing when you are sacrificing something you know the worth and the output is going to yeah. be good like it's yeah. not something to sneeze at and be like oh you know no, uh, no. <laughs> and, but you know what else it's like funny speaking about like sacrificing things like the the other importance of like making sure you get the right rate when you're doing mm. like long form what i've learned over the last year and a half doing it is that it's so many more hours yeah. than you think and like so the first one i shot down in melbourne and it was locked down so i yeah. Didn't see my friends and family for three months. And, you know, that was kind of like a big deal to me because I'm very yeah. close with my friends and family. So it was like, cool. Like, you know, I'm glad that I was getting paid what I did because that was a massive sacrifice yeah. for me. And, and you know, because I wasn't seeing those people, I spent so much time working. Like it's kind mm. of like all I was doing when I was there. Yeah. Like, the, but yeah, people are like, oh, so like what things did you discover? Like what did you find in Melbourne? I was like, nothing. I, don't, I didn't like go anywhere. Like yeah. I didn't do anything. Like I just spent most of my weekends and time after work, which is already, you know, by the time you've traveled, it's already a 12-hour day yeah. on set every day. So it's like, yeah, and it's the same like, you know, shooting in the inner west for Colin. And um, yeah, it's the exact same thing. It's like, yeah, you just don't get to see people as no. often as you'd like. And, you know, you get home after that 12 hours and then have to spend another few hours prepping for the next day. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I, I choose it. Like, I love it. I thrive on this job. So it's perfect. But um, you want to make sure that you're not underselling yourself and then actually having to do so much more work. Mm. I think it's also comes down to also relationships in this industry, which is yeah. <laughs> very tumultuous. And and I've dated people outside of the industry who that have not gotten the hours. Yes. Like yeah. and I think that's, you know, like finally being in a relationship with someone who works in the industry, has done the crazy hours, has yeah. done everything. It just it does kind of put everything into perspective where it's like, oh okay, yep. Cool. We don't think about twice. No. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you're so right. Like I'm very lucky. My partner, um, Nick is an editor. So he's, and I mean, we've been together. I was saying this to you earlier. Yeah. We've been together for like 14 years. So we've. Which is, how, <laughs> like, how old were you two when you met? We were in year 11. That's we're, we're high school <laughs> Yeah. And we both like are very similar. Like we're very creative and, you know, love to have a laugh kind of thing. Um, and yeah, but, but because he's, we've been together like this whole time throughout our careers, it's like, mm. he really understands and like, I'm so lucky to have such a supportive partner, but he knows what it means when I'm on set. And like, you know, he'll, he, he adjusts his life as well, which is like incredible. Like I'm so lucky yeah. to have Nick. Um, he, he'll like, you know, not go out on weeknights cause he knows that like, I'm not going to have time to like cook dinner or, you know, look after myself essentially. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> he like you know will help out or like if he's going out he'll like make something or you know it's Aww. like so sweet and it, like I think he showed me like a video he had they'd taken on his phone the other day of just like me lying upside down my legs up the wall because sometimes if you've been operating handheld all day your feet uh, just get like really compressed and it really hurts and I find the best way to help is just put your legs up on the wall and the blood goes the other way and yeah this is video of me just like rambling on about random ideas that I have about a scene for the next day <laughs> legs up the wall. I'm like oh this is so embarrassing but like he'll listen to that stuff oh. and like bounce board and yeah and like very luckily um because we both understand what it's like like the most random thing happened in our lives last year in 2021 and he was on lego masters as a contestant and it was like out of nowhere like i didn't know that he could build lego um which is like really strange but uh, yeah 14 years together and you didn't know didn't know yeah it's not like he was secretly doing lego i just he's very good at like picking up skills very quickly so yeah. he went on to the show and yeah and it was a three-month shoot uh, and he was in a bubble in a hotel and we couldn't see each other for wow. three months he was shooting at fox studios luckily i had a grade on at fox studios so <laughs> we like ran into each other and got to see each other a couple of times um Cute. yeah which is super sweet but yeah it kind of goes both ways like, yeah. yeah cool now i understand what yeah. you're doing um and like you know for him being talent on that one as well which it's yeah. also bizarre going from an editor to being on screen. Yeah, that's a di- that's a different world. Like editors normally just we like to hide. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was so surprised when he and his friend Gene were like, "Yeah, we're going to um apply for this show." I was like, "Real?" Like, yeah, it's it's kind of like Emily and I were talking about going on the doghouse, and we we're like, "Oh, that'd be fun!" Like, yeah, yeah. But we're like, we don't work for either of these stations. We both work for two very. <laughs> so it's like, would ABC and Seven get pissy at us or like? Going oh, on Channel right. Ten? Do you think they would? No, I don't think they would. We yeah. don't work in like the the side of it that's an issue okay. because we're not branded like yes. content yeah. Yeah. people. Because if we were like you know Koshi or someone, yeah, you, they'd have yeah. an issue. But if, right. because we're just your average punter inside the right. the network, it really doesn't apply. Yeah, yeah, because you're behind um, the scenes. But it's so it's yeah. <laughs> but there's like a clause in my contract as well, which I find hilarious. And this happens. It both happened at nine and seven, and they were like, "Please, uh, you know, is like the contract is says." If you think of the channel, don't discriminate the channel or don't like say bad right. things about the channel. That's hard <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> they say this nicely, but yeah, you know, tell me right now all your dirty secrets yeah, yeah, about no, channel, no, no. <laughs> channel nine and channel seven. You'll never hear them here. But um, I remember this lady shortly after the start of the seven, and she came up. She was like, "What do you think of seven? And I just gave her my full honest opinion, and yep. she, I was like. Oh, I'm just I'm outside of work. I'm not thinking yeah. about this contract. Yeah. But it it is in a contract in everything that I've wow. signed that you can't say bad things. And I think it goes along to that is heavy old clauses. That is yes. founding clauses because yes. they were so worried about business model. But nowadays, because everything's on social media and everything, it's, it's yeah. you know I don't think it really applies anymore. I feel like people just kind of like Yeah. Well, you know what I find funny is every time on a call sheet it says do not post anything on social media or share anything from this set. <laughs> and I'm always like, why is that? Like I kind of get it if it was like something, I, I don't know, like maybe it's it should be more of a, um, you know, if it's something sensitive or. Uh, maybe it's surprising or something. Yeah, exactly. Like you're giving away a plot point. But like most of the stuff that I have on my phone from sets is like just crew members and like random stuff, like yeah. funny things that have happened, like stuff that 
has really nothing to do yeah. with the show and then you never get to share it with anybody because it's like you're just not allowed to or like at the point where you are allowed to when everything's kind of like come out and it's that much later. It's like this is completely irrelevant now. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's like one of those things where I feel like, you know, people were showing Obi-Wan Kenobi, which just came out today, and yeah. were showing Ewan McGregor in his costume right. on online. I was like, clearly fans are taking this because everyone yeah. on set under Disney banner would not no, be allowed. You like, would never work on a Disney film again. No, I know. It's, and that's kind of the level of security, but it's the same. Uh, it's, uh, But I feel like that comes down to when actors do it and they post accidental yes. things. They yep. get excited that they're in yeah, something and then something true. leaks. And then yeah, yeah. suddenly the... Well, oh, I find the funniest one though is like it's still the same on commercials. It's like <laughs> there's no chance that I put out like a photo of a bread Brand. It might be a new Helga's like, loaf. Yeah, and they're like, oh, my God, the color's different. Wow, it's going to be all, like online and it was meant to be a big surprise. It's like, uh, really? Like, is, I kind of, yeah, is it that important? Apparently so, but it's it's so funny how many clauses are in contracts now and yeah. how many, and, and, and honestly, I, will, I, I read contracts all the time, but I also just sometimes I'm like, half of this stuff is irrelevant. Yeah. Half of this stuff is just garbage yeah yeah some of it's kind of crazy like on um uh, on long form mm. as a dop i sign a contract that says i'm not meant to do certain exercise or sports what which, yeah which is completely new to me like since starting this part of my career but it's like yeah i, I got so excited because moving down to melbourne right next to the um production company was my favorite um bouldering gym Oh, yes. I love to go bouldering and I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so good. Like I'll go to work and then after work, just walk over like literally a hundred meters away. Yeah. And yeah. And then I got the contract and like in the contract, it's like, you can't do climbing. I was so sad. They said climbing, not bouldering. Not, yeah, I know. I could have gone away on a technicality. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I was like, oh, I can see their point of view that like if I get injured really yeah. badly and this is a handheld I, show. I, I, you know, it's like the, the thing I say to anyone is if you've got to shoot and don't do sport a couple of days prior. Don't do anything that you know oh, you're yeah. going to get injured no, at. No, I, I have done jobs for DOPs who have gotten injured and I've yeah. taken their job because they needed someone. Like, yeah. Laugh, like literally it'd be like a call like the night before being like, oh, my God, this has just happened to yeah. this person. Can you come in and do it? So I, it definitely happens. I last shoot I did, poor my poor friend had to learn a new script overnight because we discovered that we had like a day to re I had a day to rewrite the scene and I rewrote it, added some bits and bobs because one of our actors literally tore his knee and oh. couldn't like um, join soccer. And he knew like he had a film shoot <laughs> in a couple no. of days. I was like, and he just had COVID. So I was oh, like, no, that's a bit silly. Yeah. <laughs> Why have you gone out? So also, was... I'm jealous. I had COVID. I was exhausted like, <laughs> yeah. weeks afterwards. You're not going out for a jog. No. And like, yeah. Yeah. Getting back on the exercise treadmill. Like, yeah. no, thank you. Yeah. I was like the last thing I would want to do if I had COVID was go into sport. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, like he, he tore him. Um, his uh, He actually tore his meniscus and... Um, it's like he luckily didn't need any sort of like surgery or anything. It's sort of healed yeah. naturally. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I've I've had that experience. I've also had like makeup artists drop out last minute. Yeah. I've had all sorts of, you know, random people just on the morning. They've yes. gotten sick and yeah. you start to go, 
how did they get sick? Yeah. And then you sort of realize, oh, it's a Saturday morning, so they probably went out the night the before, night before. <laughs> and, and that's just hilarious. like that's that happens so oh, often. No. And I think it's like, um, you know, I think it's also when you're young, think yeah. when you think your body can do almost anything. Oh, absolutely. And when we're like thirty, we're just like. You went out? What? (laughs) So you had two drinks? You want to die in bed now? Yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about? Have you found it like so much harder since COVID as well? Because like. Yeah. It's so difficult. And and with when the borders were closing, it was particularly bad where it's like, oh, the borders closed and now like two or three of the actors for a show are not available. Yeah. It's like I I can't. I, I think it's also like, yeah, I found I've had to reschedule. So many short things so often because someone will just be like last minute, just I can't make it because I've got COVID or yeah. I'm sick. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you find a replacement and then and they, you know, like honestly have to do something really last minute and it's just like, oh, my God, the stress inducing yeah. is massive. Um, I also think that people, yeah, this is like the modern thing. I've had so many Zoom rehearsals now that just seems common. Yeah. And it drives me mental. Like, I hate Zoom. I really do. It's so exhausting. And, yeah, you just get, like, so much Zoom fatigue. Like, we, for pre-production on Colin, we mostly did Zoom because it was during, um, it was in January, um, of context, January 2021. Yeah, I was like, like, hang on. (laughs) Just hold off a big clock. Yeah. Don't forget. Um, uh, no, like because we were doing it uh, while there was like the big Omicron wave. Yeah. Um, we did almost all of the pre-production on Zoom, which is like really unusual because production... Wouldn't that have been the beginning of this year? Omicron came out. Oh, sorry, 2022. See, that didn't even help. No. I clarified a, the wrong year. No, no, 2022 is this year. <laughs> I know where I am. Um, no, yeah, uh, so January 2022. Um, yeah, it, it was like the Omicron wave and... Um, yeah, it was just like normally in a production office, everyone's in the same office so that yeah. you can walk around, ask questions or, you know, it just is a bit more seamless. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and we just had to do it all on Zoom and everyone yeah. was so over it. And like we probably missed stuff because we were doing Zoom or it's like you'd have all these Zooms and be like, were they necessary? Like they were probably the kind of thing that you just chat with someone in the hallway. Yeah. Kind of thing. And now you're having to like actually schedule that as time so yeah and yeah, a lot i i think also my favorite thing about zoom calls is people will text you and be like am i good to go now like <laughs> or do i am i still necessary do I to be here yeah <laughs> and you're like well yes otherwise you're not gonna watch the rest of this yeah. later like yeah yeah you're still relevant but there's so many people who are like no i'm not relevant anymore so bye right <laughs> oh it, like in, the department or not well? even like in production meetings like right. they're like my job's been discussed so I can oh, go. so I'm done. Oh, yeah, okay. and it's like, what about everyone else's jobs? Like, stick around. Yeah. Like, that's the, my mentality of I get everyone's busy, but we're also all on a Zoom chat, unless it's producer to producer or something like yeah. that, or, you know, production manager and yeah. everything, which is a different conversation. But if you're, like, the art department and you're chatting with the the camera department and stuff like that, yeah. they're all relevant. Like, everyone yeah, exactly. needs to be across what's yeah. happening. I think, yeah, I, I loved um, when I was in the production office with um, – Darren Ashton and Sean Davies, mm. two excellent directors who um, directed Spreadsheet. We had an office where I was just in their office. Like they had like two desks and I was like just off to the side. And I loved it because I got to hear everything. Like yeah. it was just so helpful to just know what was happening. Like I just get little bits of information about other departments or, you know, could chime in when it was like, oh, a decision's being made about like a location or something. And like obviously I would be included in that decision usually, but just the fact that the proximity 
of just being there with them. Yeah. I was like, oh, great. Let's talk about it right now. Like, yeah. just get straight into it. I miss that about like being constantly with people, yeah. especially in meetings and stuff like that. And and that was something that I remember during the the pandemic and stuff. Like it was like, uh, you know, once once I'd had enough up under my belt, I was like, oh, I should really get an office. Like get, get, yeah. rent out a little yeah. studio space and just have that as my yeah, that little office. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's just, you know, that, that that's the thing. It's sort of like a grander dream, yeah. but, um, yeah, rent in Sydney is not, like fucking not cheap. No. Oh God. I, no. I mean, it may be now with all the Not even. Stuff. It's still, it has not changed. Yeah. Um, oh, no. but, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I, I've had so many meetings with people in cafes and stuff like that. And that just yeah. seemed to be, especially during, you know, especially when you're doing short form, seems to be the go-to where you buy everyone lunch. You'd have a big chat over coffee and lunch yeah. and then everyone would be like flicking through the script going, yep, cool, that's cool, yep, yep, that, yep. I, okay, let's qu- talk about this and then yeah. everyone have a big catch-up and discussion yep. and you'd end up being there for like four hours Yeah, um, and and to the point where the cafe would want to shut. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you can't sorry, order any more coffees. <laughs> like, sorry, guys, we need to ask you to leave and like, do you? Because we've got another half hour to chat. Yeah, we're busy here. <laughs> we're, we're busy. <laughs> we're making something. It's important. Um, but no, the, 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 I always find that that is kind of like, yeah, and especially when I've been, uh, when I've sat in on other people's um, production chats and stuff. And I, I think it's also the thing of, I know, I don't know about you, but when you look at production chats and you always see where the holes are, if it's a bad production, very quickly of what they haven't thought about or what no one's going to tell them. And then it's like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But I think that's another experience thing. It's like you get to a point in your career where you've done enough where you're like, I can see the little things that kind of clue you into like, yep, this is maybe not something. (laughs) Like, like I, I love when I get emails that, have no information whatsoever. Like I'll just get an email and be like, hey, love this thing that you did. Um, do you want to do my thing? And you're like, you haven't told me, you haven't introduced yourself. You haven't told me what the job is. Like there's no script. There's no like anything. Oh, I... It's just kind of like I'm blind here. Like how do I respond to something when I'm like there's literally no information? It just says, do you want to do a thing? I get I get occasionally emails from writers and going, "Do you want to produce my content?" I'm like, "There is no script." <laughs> yeah, what? And yes, I do have a production company, but no, we don't make enough of a turnover to even warrant making this yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's the kind of funny thing I think is the moment you also have like a navy and a production name and everything yes, like that. Yeah. Suddenly people think you've got millions of dollars, which you never do. No, no. It's the same. Like my favourite one is, um, do you own an Alexa and PL <laughs> lenses and can we use them for free? It's like, why would that be a reality? <laughs> like I would love to be that person for you who's like, guess what? I can yeah. like fund your whole thing and shoot it. But it's like, yeah, of course I don't. <laughs> no. You know what I love as well is every time – I've I've been on you know any shoot. It's like I'm happy with the camera that you've got. Yeah. Because if it works, it works. You can do anything with it. Yeah. I am not fussy when it comes to camera technology. Um. Yeah. Unless it's something specific and you want a certain feel to yeah. it. Yeah. Generally, cameras, a lot of digital cameras, do a lot of the same. They just have. Yeah. The, the, as we were saying them before, they have the different grades. They have the different kind of like yeah. technical aspects. Yeah. But as an output product, you're 
common audience would not know the fucking difference. No, not exactly. At all. It's like you just got to know where it's going. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's um, like yeah, you know, if you're shooting something that's specifically for like, I don't know, like TikTok, it's like don't bother. No. With getting anything other than a phone. You know what my favorite though is like if you want to go a low light, you know, and you don't have a lot of prac lights, yeah, go a Sony. Sony's a great in yeah. low light. Sony A7 series are like yeah. so good in yeah. low light. Perfect. Yeah. And I have shot stuff on that, uh, like my Sony A7S. Yeah. I have a Mark II. It is like years old now. I need to probably replace it and sell it um, because I want to upgrade it eventually. But it yeah. is like the camera, I specifically got it for that very much. It was good in low light. Yeah. And it does the job. It's just flexible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Sonys are amazing in yeah. general. Like, yeah, I've shot on the higher end ones and yeah just like that flexibility to have like dual iso yeah so you just underappreciate how that just changes how your day yeah moves and how quick you can be and flexible and just go all right we just don't need to you know you can go with just less lights yeah and that a huge difference when you're trying to shoot like five scenes in a day like yeah <laughs> you need to find a quick way of working yeah efficient way of working it, it's like if you're not finding the shortcuts yeah then you're not really, but it, it does baffle me when everyone's like, "Oh, you should shoot in a red," and I'm like, "Why?" Like, yeah, like reds, reds are good, yeah, but they're not the be all or end all. No, exactly, and it's like I, I just I think something like the reason I don't own any gear that you would use on like high end <laughs> productions is because it really depends on the project. Yeah, like like I like that flexibility of going, okay, great, here's a new project, and like. That all being said, I'll generally always pick an Alexa because I'm just like, you know, that's just the kind of person I am. I just love the Aries. But like, um, you know, like there there are definitely situations where it's like it doesn't call for that. Or... No, and I will admit I do love an Aries Alexa. They're beautiful. <laughs> so, pretty. <laughs> so pretty and just also so good as like a user. Yeah, like they are. They're very smooth to work with. They're just very nice. Everything yeah, about just them everything is just really nice. <laughs> Is that what we, what did we end up shooting on with the, was that an We did a Black Magic. Yeah, yeah that's right. Which I, I do have a um, Black Magic. Pocket. Yeah, so you had your Black Magic. Yeah. That was really good though. The Black I love Ma it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we used it on Colin as yeah. well as like a C camera to do like some like really interesting like top down it's probably, angles or like fitting in small spaces. Yeah. Like we still use it and it, it grades together really nicely. It's also a very portable small camera. Like it's yeah. quite nifty in it being not as chunky. Yes, and yeah. the um, I feel like that's the, that that's kind of like the thing because I know and it's also very affordable. Actually, oh, so for the quality, it's incredible. Yeah, like, you're like, how is this this much for what it outputs? Is yeah. like so good, so good, and like yeah, and the fact that it like works with Black Magic. Um, yeah. Da Vinci, like, yeah, if, if anyone's looking for a <laughs> lower end camera, it's like definitely go with the pocket cameras. They're yeah. Amazing. It's, in, it's interesting that we say lower end because lower end doesn't necessarily mean bad. And I think no. the, the assumption that people think when, especially when you're a student, you think, God, lower end's the bad cameras. No. It's like, no, they're the more affordable yeah. cameras. Like they're the every person can go to kind of camera. Yeah. And like my favorite audio equipment and audio um, peeps are like Rhodes, Rode are very affordable. Also, um, Zoom recorders are very affordable. They're yeah. like a, a couple hundred. Yeah. Um, they're on the lower end. If you go to the Sennheiser, you're going into the struggle zone because right. they are the higher end. Yeah. You know, they're more commonly placed. Yeah. Um, for but you know, you depending on the mixer or something that you have, you're gonna kind of work on what you think. Yeah. Of. And also, it depends on the brand you like. 
Because yeah, if you're, it depends, yeah, what you are working towards yeah. as well. It's like, yeah, you might like, for example, I just don't really know the menu system of Canon very well. It's <laughs> like I could learn it if I had to if I was using it on something, but I just don't tend to use them because it's not the menu system that I know. So like in terms of me showing up on a day and wanting to do my job efficiently, it's just more efficient for me to work with the Black Magic because it's what I have. So <laughs> it's. Yeah, and, and, and like, yeah, you're so right about it. It's like, we shouldn't call it lower. It should be like more prosumer or something. But like, I've shot commercials yeah. on the Black Magic, and no one's ever commented or realized that yeah. it's not Alexa. And at the end of the day, like, especially for cinematography, like, if you don't have, I don't know, like, this thing happens sometimes on sets where people are like, oh, that camera's so beautiful. I love that camera so much. And you're kind of gritting your teeth, going, it's not the camera, it's the lighting and the yeah. what's in front of the camera and the production design. Like, the camera is probably the least interesting thing that's <laughs> happening here for an image. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. And like the lenses as well. It's like that thing of like, cool lens. I'd always go for more budget towards lenses than yeah, the camera 100%. itself. It's like, yeah. And really the camera just needs to work for you. I, yeah. As, as a photographer, I've got a 50 and 85 and a good zoom, which is 35, 16 to 35. And, Everyone's like, oh, your shots are amazing and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I know other people with like a couple of other primes. They've got like 24 um, or a 35 prime. Um, and they, they, I look at their stuff and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, it is also just down to your lenses and how you yeah. use your lenses yeah. and how you like trial and error it and, and yeah. work it out. Because like there are some shots where I, you know, people are like, oh, that's beautiful. And I look at it and go, no, nah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's okay. It's not yeah. the best I've taken. And then they go, oh, wow. Yeah. And and it really comes down to, as you say, what's in front of the camera because exactly. they just. It's all subject. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I find it funny. Um, Like I used to see, I haven't been on Vimeo in ages, I just realized. But like when <laughs> Vimeo was like really big, yeah. you'd go on and find like the most popular you know, short film of the day or something. And there'd be so many comments being like, what were the camera settings? <laughs> yes. <it's> yeah. Like, <laughs> do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do. Like, why? Like that. What was your, what was your ISO set at? What was your, like, what was your aperture? <laughs> it's like so specific. And so like, I guess you get to a point where you realize that's entirely the wrong question. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the whole, it's a project as a whole. Yeah. That, like no one thing is more important than the other. I think it's also really interesting because I remember when everyone was doing the vlogs on YouTube yes. and everyone wrote what gear they had so that if anyone wanted to buy one. <laughs> and I was like, this is nuts. Like yeah. you get to the point where it's like, huh? Um, <laughs> that was like, that was how people were trying to get people to buy products and or, yeah. or you know, because they'd get these free sh stuff, um, you know, because right. they'd been vlogging for so long that, yeah. you know, something like Canon would go, here's a camera yeah. for you now that is better quality. And, wow. you know, we'll give you, a, you know, if you sell our product, you know, and yeah. say you can get a discount, then the money goes to us. And it's, it's perfect. It's such a wild world. Yeah. The like social media advertising. I just don't. I am the worst. Get it. <laughs> I don't understand it. I will never get it. And I'm also like, I don't know how you are, but I'm the worst at advertising myself. Right. As, as, what do you mean? Like you're like, susceptible yeah, to it? No. no. <laughs> as in, I mean, like, you know, going up to people and being like, I have all these skills and, you know, I'm oh, very good. Like I, selling yeah, like yourself. promoting yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, look at my stuff. It's all online. Just look at it. Just look. Yeah, just do that. I'm, I'm the same. Like I was saying to you earlier, like outside of this chat, like I post so infrequently on social media and i only have instagram i have no other social media it's like you're an abyss of I, life. yeah just this one thing and i still find it so difficult to do yeah. just this one thing and 
yeah, it's that kind of like uncomfortable feeling of being like, look at me. It's I don't know. It's just not in my nature, I don't think, to be yeah. that kind of person. And yeah, and I think it's something I'd love to work on, but also like I cannot wait to never have to have social media again. <laughs> like as soon as I, I don't need it, I'm getting rid of it. <laughs> I think it was also what was really cool was when when I said you were working on the dance intro video, I had like so many people go, oh, Emma Payne? And I was like, <laughs> seriously? Yeah, yeah. I'm just this enigma who yeah. doesn't exist online. <laughs> and they were just like, oh my God, she's amazing. Can I come and work? And I had a few people who were like really excited to meet you oh, and so or work nice. with you. And I think it's because you, your reputation is very like highly yeah. received, right. which is, you know, like might be unusual to you because you're like, oh, I do. Yeah, <laughs> so, I just do me. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's like in the internet, you know, and I think because I worked out, you worked on a short film that one of my friends worked, uh, Sweet Tooth. Yes. Um, yes. And one of my friends, uh, Catherine Chira, produced that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Katie. Yeah, Katie's amazing. I love her so much. Um, she's She was neighbours to me. She lives in... Um, she lives, lives in, in Annandale. Yeah. She, yeah, and I live... Oh, well, I we, say oh, on yeah. right. we, we all live in the inner west. So. We're all in the inner west. Here's my address. Here's my credit card number. <laughs> Here's my mobile. Find me later. <laughs> uh, but no, like, I remember when I went to the afters previous screening we went um and saw it and i, I loved it i thought I it was, was a re- there i know this and was pre-us meeting i know this was that how long ago this was this was like what 2018 yeah i think so yeah, yeah. um god this <laughs> but it was like it was, it was one of those things that i i loved about it and i think it was also i remember katie telling me like ages before i saw the screen she was like i've got um um, Kate Blanchett reading yes. like, the dialogue and I was like how did you wing that and she was like don't ask did a lot of work together <laughs> and we got it for nothing so it was very yeah. exciting and it was like um, and I remember I told my best friend at the time who was I was living with yeah, and I was I remember Katie heard that and she was like oh, no is this gonna escape? No, no. You can trust this person. It's fine. Like it's oh, not gonna go so beyond funny. here. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting. And I remember just thinking, God, this is like because I remember this was one of Katie's first big things. Like yes. it was very big and dear to her, still is. And yeah, it was just very hard to make because I remember yeah. all her worry was how good the production was gonna be. Yeah. Um, and it had amazing production design. Yeah. A, well, for yeah. context, it's yeah. an eighteen hundreds fairy tale film, yeah. which like for a student budget is really pushing it. Like we created like eighteen hundreds England in the Blue Mountains in the middle of summer. It was <laughs> a very difficult to achieve like we were really ambitious and like from literally the get-go so Shannon Ashland who directed it who's also a very dear friend and incredible human being she like showed it to me and it had this VO all the VO lines and both of us kind of just looked at each other and we're like it has to be Kate Blanchett yeah like just we from literally the get-go we were like it's gonna be Kate like we just know that Kate Blanchett's reading this and it was just almost that like we just refused to even consider anybody else. And she was, you know, I, I, yeah, her and Katie did so much work in making it happen. But yeah. I think it was just that sheer determination of just going, yep, that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. And we will not waver. It no. was pretty incredible. I was so impressed. And I remember when I heard the voice, I was like, holy shit, like what? Yeah. yeah. Um, But it was one of those things as well, like, and – Katie, she's such a busy person and such a, mm-hmm. a dear friend of mine. And I, every time I hear from her, I'm just like, oh, bless you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's just, I think it was one of those things that was just, 
amazing for her workload. And yeah. one of her films is um, short films is about to be in the City Film Festival as well, oh, which amazing. is um, uh, I don't know if it's actually on right now. I can't. Remember. I think it's in like a week's time. It's in a week's time. Yeah. It's very soon. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought, like, goodness, you know, the the fact that you know she started out as an actor yeah. and then really went at it went yeah. into the learning how to produce, yeah, and learning how to do it hard. And I think, yeah, she's just amazing at what she does. But, yeah, like um, uh, Shannon Ashland did an amazing job as well. Like that, just the direction and stuff. (laughs) I remember meeting her that day. Yeah. And I I was so nervous to meet her because I was like, oh, my God, you're so cool. Like you're so impressive and and amazing. And I had probably like two glasses of champagne and an empty (laughs) stomach. Oh, no. So I was a little bit tipsy and just been like, Oh God, what do I say? Oh no! Um, but she's yeah, she's like the sweetest. Person. Yeah, I know she's so sweet, and she was like talking to a thousand people. She was like saying hi to everyone because she knew like almost everyone there. Yeah, and um, but yeah, it was like such a that that film. I think also because it is a known story. It's a very yes. old like Grimm's fairy tale kind yeah, of like the Hansel and Gretel yeah, remake. Um, yeah, and I think that you know looking back on it. It's it still doesn't look like a student film. It's still yeah. nothing about that. It screams, "This is students, yeah, making this." And I think that's a testament to all of you who put yeah, in the time we and effort so hard. <laughs> yeah, because you know, like I I remember I had chatted with Katie later, and she was like, "This is you know, we ended up just scraping so many favors or so much yeah, of the budget it was to get to get incredible yeah. work that those guys did, like providing everything for yeah. us." And and from memory, like I think. Shannon, because Shannon was an actress as well, mm. and like I, I've worked with her as an actress too. She was in. I met her. Um, I shot a no budget feature film, and she was <laughs> one of the leads in it. And like as an actor as well, she's just like a wonderful actor yeah. to work with. Like it's such a collaboration. Um, yeah, and, and she just knew so many people from being an actor and being yeah. like really well respected. Like you say, it's important. Like to to have that kind of reputation and because she had that reputation so many people were like yeah of course i'll come yeah work with you like even for me like i just came in because i was like of course i want to work with shannon like, yeah I, I will I will, yeah i'll do anything for her <laughs> i think it, it comes down to yeah like dropping everything and there's very few people who i would be like hands down drop drop everything yes. to go and run and help that person yeah um because you know you know that one the environment's going to be fantastic it's going to be a great environment whether it's whether it's sort of a no budget or it's going to be a high paid budget or whatever the budget is yeah but you also just know that the company is going to be worth it because yeah that is so good to yeah come on board every time and be like that was and that was something that like um and i always love it when emily says it but i also kind of like part of me just she just i remember one of the earliest things she said um was Uh, that every set that I've ever produced or everything that I've ever produced, as much as stressful as it is seeing how hard I work, she's like everything you do on the day it's yeah. so smooth yeah it's like yeah exactly. it's like you don't have any questions for you you just like it's all done yeah. it's all organized it's all the stress and the build-up and then on the day yeah. and that's the magic trick isn't it? i know just hiding all of that and just going yep everyone arrives has a great day yeah and, and then goes home goes and, it, home, and you feels can't like they did great work <laughs> i do want to talk a bit a little bit about um you as a female filmmaker though yeah because yeah. we haven't really talked at no. all about <laughs> We talked about many amazing women on the uh, in the industry, and now let's talk about um, your experience as a female yeah. in the industry. How was that starting out for you? Like, was that very easy being uh, someone who's in the tech field? And- no, <laughs> the short answer, no. no. Um, 
No, I, I, I think um, when I started out, it was quite different. It's changed so much. Like I'll just preface it with like now I've found my tribe and it's incredible. I love working. Um, but <laughs> um, my bills. Yeah, but, um, you know, when I was starting out, I was also very young. Like I went to afters when I was 18 and mm. I did um, the graduate course in cinematography when I was 20. So I was really young, really inexperienced. And um, I think going from that learning environment and going out to the professional world was quite different because, you know, I think there's um, the ACS did some incredible work on this, like the statistics of how many women there are who start learning cinematography and then how many drop out yeah. by the time you, and, and you know, the, the number gets smaller and smaller and smaller by the time you're at, you know, feature films. It's like, I think it's less than 5% of Australia's feature films are shot by women and the women like, and that, I remember there was like a year was artificially high because um, Bonnie Elliott, who's just a brilliant DP and, and a friend of mine, um, had shot like two features in that year or something. So it was like artificially high, like so intense. Um, but yeah, I think there's a really big drop off after film school. Yeah. So you'll have like when I was at film school, I think we had three out of eight were female in our cinematography course, mm. um, which was like pretty good, like fairly even. Um, yeah. And then kind of I went out into the world and was like, oh my God, like there is so little representation, but also, um, I found like the, there was just like weird stuff where it's like, I, I would have like gaffers who are much older and I assume are retired by now. Like they were so close to the end of their career and you could kind of tell, like they just didn't want to be there. That would just, you know, you would ask them to do something and they'd just go and do something else. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just that, you know, a young woman telling you know, a 60-year-old man who's done this for ages what to do. And it's like, yeah, fair. I probably was, you know, I'm inexperienced at that time. So, like, you know, it may have been frustrating, like, oh, she's not asking for the right thing or something. But, like, it's as simple as going, oh, okay, cool. So you want to achieve this effect. Why don't you try it this way? Or I have yeah. this way of doing it. Like, you know, there's a generous way of, yeah. of helping people who are less experienced. And, um, yeah, so I found that was kind of a struggle. Uh, and then... You know, uh, but then it kind of got better after a few years um, and was definitely never at a point where it, I've ever felt like unsafe or anything on set. Like I've been so lucky to be surrounded by amazing crews a lot of my working life. Um, but, yeah, it kind of like then the next kind of thing was I think that female cinematographers get a bit pigeonholed sometimes into mm. like, oh, okay, you do the lower budget stuff or yeah. you must be interested in documentary because you're a female like I still get that one where it's like oh like I don't I don't think I have a single documentary on my website because it's not <laughs> something I'm particularly interested in yeah and I have done in the past just you know as a job like you know you do have to make money sometimes so it's like yeah cool I've done documentary before and yeah I've met a couple of docu docu filmmakers who I do really like but in general I don't really do it and yeah I just get calls being like oh yeah cool can you send through all your documentary work and it's like what documentary <laughs> like yeah at what point did you look at my website and go this is documentary cinematographer <laughs> and it's like yeah sure i'm sure i could do it but like i think that's something that's very much a yeah. mold that female cinematographers get put into yeah and you know i know there's so many like friends and colleagues who are female cinematographers it's like that's not their dream career like their dream career is working on the big sci-fi like yeah why not like let me add it i'd love to do it <laughs> you know i think that's kind of the thing over the last few years that's been a bit more 
difficult, but I think, yeah, luckily, weirdly, once the pandemic happened, I got into long form and have now been able to shape my career a lot more yeah. to what I really want to be doing um, and kind of going for those higher end That's projects. Great. Yeah, which I'm like really happy about. But like I, I think that, um, yeah, definitely everything's shifted yeah. quite a lot over the last few years. Um, probably like the, you know, echo effect of me too and all that yeah. kind of stuff happening in America, but also just the insane amount of work that, the generation above me of female yeah. Australian cinematographers have done in like paving the way yeah. to, to um, you know, to allow me to come in and have a career that's like pretty smooth sailing. Like yeah. I can't imagine what it was like, like 30, 40 years ago, just being like literally the one woman in the ACS. Like that yeah. would have been so difficult. One of my, um, one of my old teachers was the first ever Channel 7 female camera op. Oh, and wow. it was, I think she joined in like the seventies or eighties. She'd, she'd been around for a while and she was saying like, it was nuts working with so many male camera yeah. ops yeah. and being the only woman. And it took ages and, and still they only really have male camera ops now. Right. So there's very few women who work that department. Nine had one. Um, right. A lovely girl called Jess, um, who was the sweetest uh, person. And yeah, whenever she called in. Um, was always just very chipper to hear from me. Yeah. Because I was the youngest person in the department. Yeah. And so she'd always look forward to chatting to someone her like own age. Um, yes, of course. But I also think that, yeah, it was like, the, you know, just the fact that there are so many, you know, like I, I deal with it all the time as well. I know so many female editors. I know so many like, yeah. um, you know, female cinematographers now. I know so many, you know, uh, non you know un, non-binary and all sorts yeah. of stuff like people yeah. of gender diversity in different roles and then yet there's still this gloss of camera men and yeah and, and i'm like why don't we change the just camera people or just the camera department or yeah. just like keep it keep it generalized yeah because there's so much less of that but yeah you know like feeling but yeah you're 100 right as well because i remember the first um the short film that i was gonna do was a horror yeah and the first thing was i i said to um everyone was i want to work with a female dop i yeah. don't want to work with yeah a male dop because one i work better with women yeah i, I 100 always have always will and two i just think that they have a better eye than mine <laughs> I feel like that's maybe generalized. It, it, look, it it's very biased. Yeah, <laughs> just better. Yeah, just better. Just hundred percent better. better. No, but it's um no, it is really interesting though. Yeah, because it's like I, I think that's awesome that you wanted to give that to a female DOP because those kind of opportunities are few and far between for women. But also, um, something that's been really fun in the last couple of years is now that I have bigger um camera departments and you know, kind of get to be part of the hiring process now. It's like yeah. that has been such a joy to go, all right, who can I find, you know, that's right for the job and, you know, get a 50-50 split yeah. in my camera team as much as possible, trying to keep it, you know, 50-50. And I just think the environment's nicer when you have that. Like I remember I did work experience on like a very like large film at Fox Studios and I was there for a week and it was an all-male camera department and it was literally just the radios on constantly listening to them piss it was so gross and it was just like this in joke that like was not at all funny 
And <laughs> it was so gross. And it's like, yeah, you just don't have that when you have no. a 50-50 split. And like, and the other great thing about that as well is that um, I've just found so many great crew members who are like incredible men now as well, mm. who are just like, don't bring it up. They don't need to talk about the fact that I'm female. It's just really normal. And they're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm just doing my job. Like, yeah. Like it's really nice to have gotten to a place where it's like, cool, I've found my my people and my crew that are just like, don't bat an eyelid. It's, it's just an eyelash. But it's just yeah. like, yeah, they are incredible and supportive. I think and, it's also like the the thing that I say about you is one, you're a really nice person to work with. And you. I mean, also the fact that your skill set is incredible you just make everything so smooth in your own like (laughs) you do though that's the thing like it and i feel like you know that that's the testament to you and the testament to your own skills because you know that's what we've got to do that's kind of we've got Mm -hmm. to be this uh duck across a pond you know seeing never seen the legs flap wildly and um and get to the other side but i mean you do it so well and i think that's you know the testament to um you know just hard knuckling down yeah but also you're very understanding of other people which i think is a very different skill to have which not everyone has that i understand where you've come from and i understand where your perspective is yes because there's so many people it's like what you're saying like some people on set just have no idea and they don't care where someone's come from or like Oh, what have you learned? What have you like? Where have you, mm. you know? What was your previous work for this? It's like we all come from somewhere. We're all doing different yeah, things. It's like exactly. A, what does it matter? A, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's just yeah. Whereas I think you're very sympathetic of like something goes wrong or something you know isn't a hundred percent. You're just like cool. We'll work with that. We'll make yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like I I have this thing. I I got really into um reading books about stoicism when I was <laughs> started lockdown. But yeah, there's this thing that um I love to do as part of my like little onset ritual like in the morning before going to set and mm. it's it's you know in like the stoic thing is like it's called the dichotomy of control and it's like you you literally sit there and go what am i in control of today mm. and the answer is generally nothing uh and like just keeping that in mind and fresh in your mind of just like cool like i can control my reaction to things that happen but nothing else really and like yeah. you know i can be prepared and show up and communicate the best i can to my best ability and do my job as hard as i can but that's really all I can and you know some in some way I'm not even in control of that like you yeah. know I might show up and be like feel sick that day or have like a headache or something like yeah you know you're not in control of everything so I think that's just something that I try to keep in mind on set is like you know if something's going wrong it's not no nobody on a set ever is actively trying to make something bad like you know <laughs> like no one's trying to sabotage the set everyone wants the best for the set or everyone wants to have a nice day at yeah. like the very least a most nice. basic thing Everyone wants to have a nice day. So you, you should keep that in mind of like, you know, cool. Like if something's gone wrong, doesn't matter. Like we just have to accept that now and work with it. And that's, you know, the best way to, you know, what I, I just find that there's no benefit to me being stressed on set or yeah. to, to me just like having a freak out or, you know, something like that. It, it just doesn't benefit anybody. So it's kind yeah. of like, well, I'll just bypass that and just go to like great what are our solutions like what can we do instead i think i think it's also like um 
as as and I think it I, I'm as a director, I love going to location recce's and I've not worked with many DOPs yeah. who, you know, have the time or to, to do a location scout. Yeah. Um and when they can, perfect. You know, you just go and have a location scout. But generally also as the director, I'll I'll generally go and have a location scout, a little yeah. look around, yeah. see what it's um parameters might be an issue and yeah. what could be like you know like if there's no power source if you're on a location and the nearest bathroom is like 20 minutes away like yeah oh i have yeah. been there where you have like 20 extension cables all <laughs> plugged together going to like a local cafe it's like wow we do i'm just gonna preface that that was like eight years ago <laughs> it's not something that's happened since. can i just <laughs> say the safety guards in that would have been awful oh so terrible it kind of worked but like it, yeah I know exactly what you mean. It's like, yeah, it's just absolutely essential to know what you're walking into, yeah. what space you're walking into. And, and I think it's like um, with the fact that, you know, I'm shooting up in Kayama soon in the mm-hmm. in the quarry. The quarry is like, you know, it's public access. It's, yeah. you know, fine to go in. But the fact is it's also a 20-minute walk back to the car park, Yeah, which is then where the bathrooms are. So you've got to keep that in mind of the nearest bathroom and the nearest charges. Yeah. I'm not close. No, no. That's like a 40-minute round trip. Yeah. Everyone's twiddling their thumbs if an actor needs to go to the, the bathroom. bathroom. Like, so you kind of just go, okay, before we leave, everyone go to the bathroom if you need to go now. Like, yeah. And, and don't, you know, if you don't, give it a try. Like, yeah. Just go. <laughs> if you for don't, it. please just do it anyway. <laughs> no, I think that's so, yeah, that's so funny. It's like that just taps into like just the essentials of filmmaking full stop. It's like just preempting stuff and just problem solving. Yeah. It's like really that's all it is at the end of the day is just solving yeah. as many problems as come up in the day, which is like every day or it's just what you do. And I will say this is 101. Nowhere is built for us. No set is ever actually no. built for filmmakers. <laughs> we all have to make it up. And uh, uh, my favorite thing of ever directing anything is you bring a shot list on the day half of that's going to get ripped up anyway. Like yeah. Literally yeah. a lot of what you plan, it, yeah. it's good that you plan, but a lot of what they don't teach you and, and, and really does happen is yeah. you've got to think outside your shot list as well. You've got Absolutely. to always constantly think on the fly. Yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen no. in the day. And it's like, cool, when that does happen, you just go, great, what's the, like, how do we make this scene then? Like, yeah. we've only got time, like, we had planned five shots and now we've got time for two. Yeah. What's the bare minimum that we can get away with here? Yeah, and and it's particularly why like I I I generally love rehearsals with you know actors and stuff like that where it's like if they know their lines then that's like one half of the job done. Yes. The other half is you just worry about camera placement and where they're going to be and yeah. how, how you're not crossing that line of one eighty. Yeah. The rules. <laughs> unless you want to. I know. Unless you <laughs> want to. You're absolutely allowed if you uh, well, do it intentionally. <laughs> but you have to know what you're doing because exactly. it can look bad. I remember like my first ever short film HSC video. I it all by myself and yeah that was like one of my drama teacher was like you crossed the line and I was like what do you mean and I had yeah. no idea what crossed the line meant. yeah it was because yeah. I had the camera one side and then, and then suddenly it the... just went over yeah, there yeah I was like it doesn't work that, no. and I look at it now and I'm like that's edited terribly there's so many problems with it <laughs> but I was 18 and I had no yeah, idea exactly yeah uh, yeah and it's like I kind of have this thing at the moment like this phase that I'm going through as a cinematographer where I'm like <laughs> I think just in my life in general, like as a person, I'm quite a perfectionist. And as part of like getting away from that or trying to like calm that down a little bit, I'm now really seeking imperfection in filmmaking. Yeah. And like I love when things are not quite perfect. And yeah, and then like, you know, on spreadsheet for the with Darren, we we would cross the line just as a like 
you know, part of like a style kind of just mm. being like, yeah, it is a bit more free form and a bit more like playful and yeah. not, you know, the, the whole subject of the show is about a, a divorced mother of two who's kind of like not playing by the rules. So we're like, well, then we should not play I by the rules. I love that. Yeah, it was like really fun and yeah, just like an interesting thing to play with once you understand yeah. those conventions, then you can totally break them. Do you, on a, on a final thought though, do you think that people aren't understanding conventions of filmmaking due to modern, <laughs> modern socials? Yeah. Do you mean like, like because of like YouTube? Yeah. Uh, I think that in general, we all know the I basics. hope so. I think we do. Yeah. I, I'm going to have a positive outlook on this, but I think generally audiences are incredibly smart and yeah. like very uh, literate. Yeah. I do understand what you mean though. Like I think the attention span thing yeah. kind of scares me where it's like, I think audiences get bored. Yeah. And, and I also just think that people going through uni now is very different yeah. to how we went through uni and like how we through because I can remember watching VHS when I was a kid and that's like that whole you know like I took one which was from the 90s from my parents house the other night and they were like oh can you digitize this and I was like yeah probably can take it to work and get it done but if you explain that to a kid now in uni they're like what's a VHS and like this is right this is how you recorded things like it's like how you used to record (laughs) things on 16 mil like you just you had to like you know the fact of like Alfred Hitchcock's rope yeah prime example of film was only 10 minutes ever long it yeah. wasn't designed to be longer than that so no. he did you know a whole hour an hour and a half film with nine or ten canisters oh that makes me feel sick <laughs> it, but it's it's how he covered half the edits and you know and i remember like something i look at old television they were limited to how many edits they actually had exactly and so if they had five or six edits yeah that was per episode. That was per 25 minutes or something. So yeah. if they'd run out, wow. they had to just deal with it. It's the level of precision is yeah. incredible. Like I, yeah, I'm so pro if you're at film school, you should do at least one project on film. Yeah. Because it is a different way of working and you have to just rehearse until it's <laughs> completely ready and everyone knows exactly what they're doing. Mm. You know, you have to be so strict yeah. when you're working with film about, you know, it, it's just a great way to learn how a set runs. I yeah. think if you just go, great, give students like one or two rolls of film and, yeah, let them figure out how you run a set on film because it's so different. I think it's like one of the one of the things I'm going to invest in future is a Super 8 camera and oh, just so get little, little canisters of film and then record it because the grain on that stuff and the, the fact that it's colours are blue and green and stuff yeah. and it's just high saturation level. I'm just looking yeah. at it going, this is beautiful. This is just yeah. absolutely bizarrely beautiful, but it's also like – it teaches you about frame rates and it teaches you yes. about like the basics of like how things work, how light yeah. works. You yeah. Know? Well, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, you, cause I started doing like black and white film photography. It's like, yeah. you look at Photoshop and I'm like, yeah, I understand what the tools are because they're just the way that you would do things in a dark room. Mm. And it's the same with like, you know, film cameras now. It's like all of everything comes from something like yeah. your ISO. It's like understanding like what that meant in the film comparative is kind of important like a really good like foundation for your knowledge especially yeah if you're gonna be in a technical field yeah i'm learning about that stuff i think one of my favorite ever sit downs was with an old editor from the abc and family friend and she was explaining to me how she used to slice vision and audio together and and put it through film and it was just like mind-boggling yeah because now you just put it in a (laughs) in a sequence and just go 
done. Yeah, it was it's, like it's, it's finished. You 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 basically line it up to the clap, and you can auto sync things now, so it all oh, remembers time which codes. Is incredible. Like yeah. you know the the fact that there are so many devices that just link your camera to your the, um unit base of like what the recorder is yeah. recording, and then it just goes, oh yeah, time code synced. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just done. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Like yeah, I did a commercial a couple of years ago, like in the the height of the pandemic when it, there was like this strange time in Australia where a bunch of jobs from overseas came here and yes. it was like just the best because it was like everybody was like stepping up to the next level and I miss those stuff. times I don't know yeah. what happened it was, <laughs> it was so like short actually re- yeah so short-lived but yeah I was shooting an ad for um Pantene but it was like for the New York wow and, like not the Australian one and yeah and there's just a guy out there with some I don't know <laughs> just like beaming out a signal to New York like as we were shooting, they were just getting everything, like live streamed to them from the camera. No, it wasn't even from the camera. It was like from the um monitors, so it didn't even affect us whatsoever. Like we had nothing to do with it. it I I would just... know how that's done. That's that's how yeah. that's my job. That would be a hundred percent what I've learned for the eight years. Yeah. Of how that would get to New York. Yeah, yeah. It was just incredible, but it was also hilarious because it's like the time zone difference meant that they were at like three a.m. in the morning and they were so cranky. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always my favorite being like because they work in a twenty four department department and I was about to say department. I was like, that's not a word. <laughs> it uh, is department. It is department. Like how you show yourself, and how you dress well. I did department in school. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It was how to be a lady. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that, I should do that at work. Just dress really well. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, my department we sit up until like. 7 a.m. I'm there. So I start at 7 p.m. some nights and then till 7 a.m. And one of the things was we'd get a call from like international people and they'd ask us questions about where feeds. And we get international feeds like surfing in other countries, which get broadcast later for us. Or suddenly you get sport that's in other time zones. And it's just like you sit there going, I don't care, but I know I should, but I'm tired. (laughs) Like it's that mentality of you're just half asleep and you really you don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like I just want this to be done. Yeah, right <laughs> which sounds really sad, but it's like when it when you I think it's like I've done continuous nights. I've done yeah. like a, a row of like you know where I've stayed awake till four five a.m. for like three weeks. And oh my god, I did. I, I've done that for work and stuff. But yeah. I I once I get my circadian rhythm in tune, right? I'm fine. Really? But if I'm constantly jet lagged, I hate it. I just I yeah. can't stand it. Like I I'm I'm fine if I can sleep during the day and get yep. up at nine. Um, but I'm also I'm an early bird and I will get mm-hmm. like I love getting up at four a.m. to go to shoots and yep. and do stuff. Like, yeah. Um, I'm a bit the same. I feel really productive. Yeah. It's like if you shoot a sunrise, you're like, hell yeah. Like I've done something today. Yeah. And then you just suddenly get to 3 p.m. You're like, I want to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's when it ends. Yeah. You started at 4 a.m. So yeah, you're just like. You're <laughs> Your just day's like, over. And then you can go home, have sleep. Oh, it's so good. It's so, Especially in summer. It's nice, like warm light. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> can I just say, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. No. It's been an absolute joy. Yeah. Same. It's been great. It's been really fun. Do we? You were very nervous about coming. I was really nervous about coming because I don't do. Yeah, I don't do many speaking things. I mean, I'm behind a camera. Yeah, so I know. It's like... I managed to convince Emma, like gun, gun threat, and everything. No, I just asked her, and <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, she'll say." Yeah. No, it's it's been really fun. It's I'm been glad. great. Emma, where can people find you? Where can they stalk you? Um, people can find me. Uh, I only have the one social media yeah. channel. Uh, it's Emma Payne DP on Instagram. Um, I'm barely on there, so I apologize in advance for the infrequency. Um, but also just emmapain.com 
is yeah. my website and that's kind of the most up-to-date place where you can find my work. And if you ever want to work with Emma or just meet Emma, go and stalk her there. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's lo- I I already love you. Like I don't know what the the audience will think. Yeah, I'll just put my address down. Yeah, okay. Well. So we it's all live in the inner west, and yeah, you know, yeah. here's our credit card numbers. And yeah, yeah, you know that Katie's between us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Now they will find us. They will. Yeah. Oh no! Cut that bit out. Bleep yeah, it. Yeah, bleep it every time like- you say. Oh my god. And if you want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye.